Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation. Welcome to the 63rd episode of the Pulling Tart Podcast. I'm super excited to chat with John Clemens, Assistant General Manager Sales with the Down East Wood Ducks, a low A affiliate of the Texas Rangers. Make sure to go back and listen through the catalog, folks. I really can't stress this enough. There's 62 other great episodes with amazing people that work in minor league baseball. They have so many different backgrounds and skills and, more importantly, stories um, that you'll want to check out for sure. Um, I'm going to continue this trend of shouting out the top cities that people are listening to the podcast in. So let me get that pulled up here. And this week, the top cities that people listen to the Pulling Tart podcast in were Cross River, New York, Charlotte, North Carolina, Brooklyn, New York, Hickory, North Carolina, Newark, New Jersey, Weathersfield, Connecticut, Mobile, Alabama, Washington, Virginia, Nashville, Tennessee, and Midlothian, Illinois. Shout out to all those cities. Um, can appreciate you guys continuing to listen to the podcast. Do you want an individual shout out? Well, that's pretty easy to do. Drop a rating and comment on Apple Podcasts. I will personally shout you out on the next episode. Those ratings and comments, that helps drive us up the charts and turns more people into members of the TARP crew or TARP gang, gang gang. With that being said, let's chat with John Clemens from the Down East Wood Ducks. John, welcome on to the Pulling Tart Podcast. Really appreciate uh, you know you taking the time, um, and you're actually driving, um, hands free, of course. Uh, Got to be safe. Um, That's right. And, yeah. So thank you for for taking the time. Uh, first question: What are some changes that you and the rest of the staff are working super hard to facilitate around Granger Stadium for this season? You know, Bobby, I, first off, thanks for having me. And uh, I appreciate you taking the time to just recognize the fact that, you know, the people that work in minor league baseball, as you know, um, dedicate a lot of time and hours to the industry and um, have a lot of skills and knowledge that can be transferred elsewhere, but also shared amongst others in the industry. So kudos to you and setting up the Pull and Tart podcast. Um, great name as well. Thank you. Thank um, but you. just to um, 
I feel like things are changing daily in the industry. Like today, mm-hmm. for instance, uh, you know, the governor of North Carolina stated that by June 1st, we'll be fully, um, we'll be at 100%. So, like, okay. this whole off season, we've been preparing for different percentages of fans and trying to seat them in pods and socially distance and just be safe. And um, I feel like it's a, a moving target, but, you know, we'll get through that in May and then in June we'll open up to full capacity. Um, some of the things that we're requiring is, um, well, Major League Baseball is requiring the mask when they enter mm-hmm. um, and, and go around the ballpark just like, kind of like restaurant style. Um, but also, like, in Granger Stadium, we've been putting up different barriers, um, plexiglass. It's actually polycarbonate that they use on hockey rings. Oh, okay. Um, we've been using some of that to, to create buffer zones in the ballpark. Okay. Uh, so I would say the polycarbonate has been the major project of the, uh, the recent weeks. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I definitely didn't think about that. Okay. Wow. Yeah. I'm sure, I'm sure you guys are just adjusting every single day. Um, wow. It's, it's so crazy to me, um, to think about what, what I and the rest of my staff would be dealing with, um, if I were still in baseball at this point. Um, but, but yeah, about the, the name for the podcast, I just kind of thought, what is the definition of working in baseball? And it was pulling tarp. That's, I mean, nobody else can understand working in baseball, um, you know, besides those that pull tarp. And the fact that probably the first two questions of any baseball interview is, have you ever pulled a tarp mm-hmm. or can you tarp? And have you ever dressed up as a mascot? And are you willing to dress up as a mascot? Mm-hmm. Because that's something we've all done. Oh yeah, yeah. How many how many mascots have you like? How many costumes have you been in? I did Muddy the Mudcat. Um, I did Teddy Taurus. I did Mister Moon. I've done Scout and Dude. So. Okay. What a handful. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely I've been um Boomer uh from Williamsport. He's some type of woodland creature. I've been Snappy the Turtle um from Beloit and I've been Sherman the Shorebird um in Delmarva here. Um so I and I was the only person I mean, tell me if this makes sense. I was the only person in the front office that could fit in the uh, Snappy costume in Beloit in the off season uh, because everybody else was too tall. <laughs> oh. Yeah, I know. I know a few people that have used that excuse that they they were too short or too tall, couldn't fit, but deep down they just didn't want to get in it. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's definitely not my favorite thing to do. I would rather pull tarp than be in a mascot costume, that's for sure. Yeah, I but, agree with that statement. But, and I've mentioned this on the podcast before, 
I feel like being a mascot has helped me during this pandemic because so like in my job, like when I'm out in the community and stuff like that, I'm obviously wearing my mask and I'm taking photo ops um, because, you know, we we partner with different charities and stuff like that. And I don't have to smile and but have you have you ever have you ever been in that situation where you're taking a photo in a mascot costume and you smile out of habit and you're like well I don't need to because nobody can see my face so oh, absolutely so i feel so yeah, I n- now yourself. yeah so now i just i just don't smile like i'm in a mascot costume so <laughs> but uh, hey, Thomas. Yeah. Uh, so I got to ask. So you went to NC State and you have a Spanish minor. How often have you had to use your Spanish minor while working in minor league baseball? Um, starting out, I, I probably knew the most and was the best at speaking it when I first graduated because it was pretty fresh on the brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I used it, uh, I used it frequently in Asheville with the lap players. Uh, and then down East, I, and I think we're supposed to have like 13 or so Latin guys this year. So I might need to practice. Okay. Uh, but it's more of, I guess I just like to practice when I'm around them just to stay fresh right? and um, not lose it, so to speak. Uh, but I, I don't use it as much as I would like to. Uh, but I do try to use it whenever I'm around a, a Latin player. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I hablo espanol un poquito. Um, yeah, yeah. and that's the only time I ever use it is, is when I'm around the Latin guys as well. Um, but I, I definitely don't know as much as you, um, but it, it certainly does help when trying to get them to, to do stuff. Um, because, uh, I don't know if they don't want to do community appearances or, or, you know, volunteer for stuff, but they always use the, uh, the language barrier as an excuse and I think you kind of eliminate that if you can if you can speak Spanish. Yeah, I think it helps earn respect with them mm-hmm. as well, um, and they appreciate the fact that you're trying to communicate with them. Right. At least that's the vibe I've got. Oh yeah. Uh, I think the best part though is whenever you're you're standing around them and they're talking about something that you may or may not need to hear mm-hmm. and you reply in Spanish and they're like, Oh no, you got me. <laughs> yep. Yep. That's happened a few times as well. Do you ever use uh, Spanish in your sales? I can't think of a, a time that I used it off the top of my head. Uh, okay. Yeah, I can't think off the top of my head that one at the time that I've used it in sales. Okay. So you were also the assistant general manager in Asheville with the Taurus. What made you want to leave Asheville to be the director of sales with the Wood Ducks? 
Well, I think, uh, Bobby, there's two answers to that question. Right. Uh, there's a professional answer, and then there's a transparent answer. So I'll give you both. Okay. Uh, the transparent answer is that there was a beautiful lady who's now my fiance mm-hmm. in eastern North Carolina that lives about 30 minutes from the ballpark. Okay. <laughs> in order to make that relationship continue to work, it was important to me to be close to her mm-hmm. instead of traveling every two weeks to see her. Right. Uh, my family lives about an hour from the ballpark. Mm-hmm. That was also an important factor. Okay. Uh, and the fact that, you know, starting a team in my home, t- home area of the state, that was pretty important to me. Right. Uh, and then, I guess the, the, the politically correct answer is that I was trying to advance my, in my career and, and uh, work for a team where I saw uh, some growth potential. Okay, right. I mean, hey, they all they they all sound like good reasons to me. I mean, you know, I'm no longer in baseball be, because of well, because of many reasons which we talked about previously, one being one being the the paycheck, another one being the hours and then you know, another one being the relationship as well. So, I totally get it, trust me. Um, but it's super exciting that you can, you know, move pretty darn close to home and you know kind of start up a new team um and i did want to kind of dive into this and i i didn't really put two and two together until just now really but what was it like kind of starting that new brand and um with the wood ducks in in kingston and uh i know i know you guys you know when you made that announcement it you know it was you guys got a big reception out of it, and uh, yeah, just kind of walk me through what that was like to to be in that process. It was a neat process because we were able to create whatever we wanted mm-hmm. uh, in terms of promotions and advertising, and uh, we really built the product. And you know, the fans were hesitant on the name because. You know, we weren't named the Kinston Wood Ducks or the Kinston Eagles or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, we went with the Down East name. And the reason we did that was because we were down east of Raleigh. And we were trying to uh, market to pretty much everyone east of the capital. Okay. North Carolina. Yep. And so I think what won us over locally and throughout the region was the fact that we had a really cool logo mm-hmm. that um, it's a popular uh, bird or duck that's in eastern North Carolina. And it has vibrant colors. It has five or six colors on it that are really pretty. And it, it turned out to be an awesome logo. And so fans really were attracted to that. So I think that kind of helped ease the pain of not being the Kinston. Yeah. Yeah, the the Wood Ducks logo I think is is awesome. It's it's kind of intimidating, but it's also like kid friendly um, and animated. Um, I I actually do really like it. Um, when it, when you guys came out with it, I thought it was pretty badass actually. Yeah, we joke around. We say it's uh, it's a fierce looking duck. Yeah, 
<laughs> yeah. Um, it's, it's been a... I, I do miss my friends in Asheville and, and that team, and I miss, you know, the scenery, and uh, but I certainly have been blessed to be able to come home and have my family and have my my relationship with my fiance and and I feel pretty fortunate and also be able to say baseball as well. Yeah, man, that's that's so awesome. When's the wedding? Uh, TBD. Okay. Uh, we're, we're in the process of trying to buy a house. Okay. Uh, it's a great market. I would not suggest buying a house right now, but mm-hmm. it's kind of step one in the process of getting married for us. Yeah. And so. We our goal is to buy a house and get married in 2021. Okay, so it's a work in progress. All right. Well, best of luck with that for sure. Hey, uh, yeah. So, um, this is becoming more and more popular, where the affiliate actually owns the minor league team. So, in in you know down east case, you guys are owned by the Texas Rangers. Um, is that kind of a change, um, you know, in your work environment and that kind of stuff? What, what's it like working for a team that's owned by their major league affiliate? I think the main thing is, is just realizing like at the end of the day, you're trying to do what's in the best interest of the team. Mm -hmm. Uh, there's no, at the end of the day, it's one big pot of money. And it doesn't really change hands from an ownership group to a big league affiliate. Okay. So it's you know you're you're trying to work together in a sense to make sure that um, operationally it's and sales is 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 doing really well. But on the uh, player side, you're also trying to to achieve those goals. So it's, right. you're kind of working together hand in hand. I'm not saying you're not when a, a private owner owns a team, but it's, it's a little different in that regard. Right. Right. I, I've never, I would say there's yeah. more communication, at least what I've seen on okay. a daily basis to make sure everybody's functioning. Right. Okay. Okay. Very cool. Very cool. I, I had never worked with a team that, was was owned by the affiliate um so so yeah i've always wondered what that's like um and that kind of spells it out for sure um it definitely yeah. i would say it opens up your network i mean true you know never i thought I, I i've met certain people within the organization that typically you wouldn't meet on a day-to-day basis so that's that's been helpful right um, like for example, like if you need IT help, you know, you reach out to someone in Texas and, and they can help you from remote. Oh, okay. Uh, if you need animations for your video board, uh, you can reach out to Texas and they can they can help you. Really? I mean, so you got some some like collaborative you can collaborate with them on certain projects. That's pretty cool. That aspect you know, that I mean being being the um production or graphics or social media person um that also you know did most of the video board work um was more the creative sides of things that would have been extremely helpful (laughs) um so 
So okay, I never I never thought of it from that point of point of view for sure. And I'd say probably for the first two years before we hired Matthew Edwards, who does that for us now, mm-hmm. um, they pretty much kind of kept us together on that project. Oh wow! Making sure that we all of our our graphics and logos for social media, for video board, for game day scorecards, you know, whatever it would be. Okay. Wow, that's amazing. So we talked about the, um, you know, your your old coworkers that you miss um, from Asheville. Um, so shout out to Natalie Toby who actually introduced us and set this up. Um, you know, I worked with her in Beloit. You worked with her in Asheville. Do you have any fun stories from working with Natalie? <laughs> yeah. Um, so Natalie and I were fortunate enough to win the Sally League Championship in 2012, and I didn't realize what we were up against at time, but, you know, Trevor Story made the last out, uh, for the the tourists, he was playing shortstop, and, uh, you know, we were up against Christian Yelich and the Greensburg Grasshoppers in that that game, Yeah, and so, that that was pretty cool, um, I remember, you know, Natalie, she was a vibrant personality. She had a lot of energy, mm-hmm. uh, really fun uh, person to work with uh, in the office. And then also had some, but aside from that, one thing I remember about Natalie, her and her friend had these on the promotional jerseys that we did for on-field. They would buy the different tourist jerseys one being like a breast cancer one one being a spider-man one the two i recall mm-hmm. and everywhere they would go to watch tourists play or you know they were traveling on a trip somewhere they would wear the tourist jerseys and they would take pictures i always thought that was pretty cool okay that is pretty cool um oh man you've won two championships you won one in 2012 with Asheville and 2017 in Down East, right? Yeah, we picked up one in 14 as well. Oh, man. Uh, I'm trying to remember who was on that team. David Dahl was on the 14 team, Ryan McMahon, uh, Antonio Sensatella. Wow. Quite a few starters on that on the uh, Rockies right now. We're on the 14 team. We ended up beating Hagerstown, who had Wilmer Defoe at the time. Mm-hmm. I think Victor Robles at the time was on that team. Okay. Wow. Um, I mean, we beat some solid teams in 12 and 14. And then in 17, we ended up splitting with Lynchburg. Uh, we made an epic. We were out nine games in the second half in 2017, and we came back to win the division on the last day of the year uh, to put us in the playoffs. And then we swept the Myrtle Beach Pelicans, who were the Cubs affiliate, in the first round. Uh, they had Wilson Contreras doing a rehab stint with them. Oh, my gosh. We struck him, yeah, we <laughs> struck him out uh, to win – or share the title with Lynchburg. 
2017. There was a hurricane that came in that week after that that made us stop early. Yeah, I did see that. So, so okay, so you were co-champions in 2017. Yeah. Okay, but you are. I think you're the only guest that I've had that has three championships under their belt as far as a minor league baseball front office member. It's kind of wild. I went with like six years without one, and then all of a sudden they just started racking up out of nowhere. Man, I I mean, I was sure that the Shorebirds were going to win one my last year in baseball in 2019 because uh, they, I mean, they dominated the entire league that year and they had over i think we ended up finishing with 92 wins or something like that in the regular season and then got swept the first round of the playoffs so that's not that's kind of what happened to the wood ducks last year or in 2019 we were 90 and something best record in our history and the history of uh single a baseball for the rangers Mm mm-hmm and we ended up losing in the first round to the Astros affiliate. It's kind of disappointing. Wow. Goodness. Um, so, do you have any stories from working with former Pooling Tart podcast guest Sam Fisher? Um, <laughs> she was a fun interview. Yeah, she's awesome. Uh, you know, I, I always admired Sam's quick wit. I mean, she's got an awesome sense of humor uh, really fun to be around she's actually uh so i roomed with doug mauer who's the voice of the tourist yeah the past 10 years doug's awesome and i love doug he he gets well i should say she is gets the privilege of sitting next to him in the office there and um every now and then she'll share a few stories of what doug's talking about and uh both great people both one uh thing I remember about Sam on game days is we had a lot of fun uh, shooting t-shirts into the crowd. So Brian, the owner, he bought us a, a t-shirt cannon. Uh-huh. And uh, on every every game, we would go into the onto the field and shoot t-shirts over the net to the crowd. And uh, Sam and I had a lot of fun trying to pick targets and, and try to hit folks. Um <laughs> So that was, that was always a good time. Nice, nice. Next time you talk to Sam, you gotta ask her about. Um, it's just so when she has a few drinks, she made her <laughs> own snack. Okay, and it is two ego waffles with ice cream in the middle. That sounds fantastic. I know. I would have never thought about that. Um, but actually, I actually heard her as a guest on another podcast and she shared that, but she was also a guest on this podcast and it is a, a one interview. So I invite you to go, right. go back and listen to that one. Awesome. Um, but yeah, she's super fun. What was the best piece of merchandise that you helped design when you were in Asheville? I mean, you, you have so many options in Nashville, or, or sorry, in Asheville. Um, so, I, I mean, what, your guys' mascot's so cool, um, and then, like, 
you get, you have the whole Thirsty Thursday thing with so many breweries, um, and your colors are awesome. I mean, you, the world is your oyster when it comes to merchandise in Asheville. So I was just wondering what your best piece of merchandise was that you helped design. Best piece of merchandise. I was always um, I was always a big fan of the hat. Okay. Um, I will say, you know, Brian had Brian loved the merchandise as well, and and that was kind of like his baby because he introduced Mr. Moon and the concept of the Taurus being moon themed. Okay. Um, off of the the old moonshiners. Yeah. Uh, but I really enjoyed kind of helping design the hats, uh, particularly the July Fourth hats. They, they were they were my favorites to design. Um, and then it actually happened right before I left. Uh, but we played the Greenville Drive, and there was a running joke that they would call us hippies, and we would call them rednecks. <laughs> and so the winner of that overall series. Um, the other team had the losing team had to wear either hippies jerseys or rednecks jerseys. Okay. And so we ended up tying that year and Brian actually went through with it and they started wearing hippies jerseys (laughs) and it actually, it it was an awesome idea and they ended up continuing it for the next few years. Um, but that was, that was one trend that started when I was there and it's still going on. That was pretty cool. Okay, awesome. So you're, you know... In sales, obviously, every everybody in minor league baseball is in sales, right? So yeah. every, everybody's got to sell something. Um, but in your opinion, what is the number one secret to sales? Number one secret to sales is the people. So it, it doesn't matter what I want. It doesn't matter what I say. Um, I'd say it's all about listening to what your client has to say, mm-hmm. and then delivering on that product from start to finish. Okay. I do agree with that. Yeah. As long as they can trust you, you know, that's that's the number one secret to sales is, is uh, getting people to trust you. Yeah, relationships. So, yeah. I mean, some of my, like, truthfully, I consider my clients my friends because, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm, I'm talking to them no different than I'm talking to you. Like, um, we're all people and it's about building relationships. And, uh, I wanted them to understand that I'm working in the best interest of their brand and our brand. And I want it to be successful just as bad as they do. Right. Um, so I would say the number one key sales advice is just build relationships. Mm-hmm. I, I definitely agree with that. And, so over your years, what has been the best sale that you've ever made? It doesn't necessarily have to be the biggest, just what you consider the best sale. 
kind of always lean towards the ones that were the hardest. Okay. Um, and I mean that by the hardest to get. Car dealerships and minor league baseball are really hard to get mm-hmm. in terms of advertising because they're, they're pretty tight. Yeah. And so there was um, a car dealership probably two miles from the ballpark in Asheville. And I had called them for like three or four years and we couldn't ever get them. Right. And finally, I got them on this deal where they were going to sponsor the T-Shooter gun where we would shoot T-shirts with their logo on them into the crowd. And we would ride in on a power vehicle, like an ATV. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we would come down to the top of the mountain, ride in, ride onto the field, uh, jump out, shoot the T-shirts, and ride off. Okay. And I uh, finally got them. And it lasted a couple years, and eventually they went away. But uh, that was probably my most memorable one. The other one... Um, it was a lot of work, but it was really cool to see. It was in 2012, we did a, a zip line. We zip lined the game ball in from the top of the hill. Oh, wow. And so we had uh, fans, they could register to, to zip the game ball into the stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a, financially, that one, uh, what, it didn't bring in a lot of revenue, but it, it was a pretty cool like experience for fans right yeah i mean where else are you gonna be able to do that at? yeah right well okay. so that, that was probably in Asheville. that was one of my prouder moments okay that's awesome i think it was um don't quote me on this but it was the first tandem zip line to ever zip a, a game ball into a, a, a game i would think so hey um Okay, so this is the Pulling Tart Podcast, so I gotta ask, do you have any fun or crazy or wild tarp stories? Yeah, the one where we almost died. Um, It was 2008-ish time frame. I was working with the Carolina Mudcats, and uh, I mean, it's... I'm going to try to describe it, but like, truthfully, I don't know if you can describe it other than the fact that I thought my life was coming to an end. Oh, goodness. Um, but we're out there, it's, it's, it gets like super dark, like tornado-like, lightning popping all around, um, hailstones coming down, winds probably 30 to 40 gusts, miles per hour. And we get the tarp going, all of a sudden it gets that big bubble in it. You know the bubble. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it just, like, engulfs us. And as soon as it does, it it basically knocked down a few of us on our end of the tarp and literally wrapped us up like a burrito. Oh, no. And no joke. Like, I was just happy to get out of that one. Um, the craziest thing about that is, you know how... Um, durable a tarp is well this storm actually ripped the tarp in half really yeah wow it, it split it split it down the middle which was wild like I've never seen anything like that um, that's pretty crazy I, I, if you google if you YouTube um, Carolina Mudcat tarp pools you may be able to find it okay it was in the late thousands okay yeah, I'm gonna have to check that one out for sure. Man, that's yeah, it was, that, 
I'll never forget that one. There's there's been a lot that have scared me just in terms of storms. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was probably the worst. So needless to say the the field didn't get covered on that one. <laughs> no. Oh man. Game postponed. Yeah, I'm I'm sure. Yeah, I've been a, I've been a part of a few that were that were dangerous and and I I will give the shout out to the general manager in uh, Delmarva who when it was too dangerous he told us just to let it go and we would we yeah. would come out there at 7 a.m. the next day and pick it up out of the outfield. <laughs> so, I mean, I do give him a shout out for that for not making us sacrifice, you know, our lives and bodies for that, but um man so i always like to ask people this question too and the stories are kind of ridiculous so what's the craziest situation that's occurred during a game that you've had to assist with Mm. let's see Well, I've had my fair share of escorting drunk people out of a ballpark. Mm. That's that's kind of a norm. Fortunately, I haven't had too many of those here in Kinston. Okay. Uh, I'll never forget, there was one night in Zebulon. Uh, it was after the game got canceled. It was a bad storm night. And the power breaker, um, the transformer box, blew. And, like, the whole stadium went dark. Yep. And there was a really intoxicated guy uh, that really just wanted to pick a fight with someone. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget, he was chirping with, um, at the time, it was Eric, who was the assistant GM. He's now the GM in, in Zebulon. Uh, he was chirping with him, and all of a sudden, like, he bowed up like he wanted to fight him. And as soon as he, like, rear back to try to hit him, that's when the power broke. <laughs> and so, I mean, it was, like, almost World War, like, WrestleMania, almost. Wow. Um, Couldn't I, have happened I, I just thought time. in the instant, like, someone was going to get hit. It, it was not good. But Eric did a good job of diffusing the situation, and we, we pulled the guy away from him. But it just, it all happened at once. It was, like, Storm came, got the tarp taken care of, got everybody out of the ballpark. This guy was lingering around and just kind of angry at the world and tried to take it out on us. And so that that was an interesting night. Obviously, I haven't forgotten. Right. Goodness gracious. All right. So I know you're kind of a private guy when it comes to social media. I know you're not on Twitter you're you're on Instagram. I found you on there, and you're on LinkedIn. Um, but yep. w- where can the listeners find you and the Wood Ducks on social media? Uh, the Wood Ducks is at, at Go Wood Ducks. Um, and then I'm I'm on Facebook and Instagram. I don't really do Twitter, and then on LinkedIn. Okay, awesome. And so, I don't know if you've listened to any other episodes or not, but I always end with the same question, and we'll ride out with whatever song you come up with. 
what's the best walk-up or warm-up song you've heard during your time in minor league baseball, and whose was it? I want to say, uh, so I always liked when Rivera came out to enter Sandman. Mm-hmm. And I want to say, uh, whenever his son was coming through the minor league system, he also did that. Don't quote me on that, but I feel like that happened. Okay. Uh, I don't know. For some reason, that's that's the first one that comes to mind. All right. It's a good song. Um, Great song. When Junior came bullpen, that's what he came out to, too. That was pretty neat. Okay. Nice. Nice. Awesome. Well, we'll ride out with, with Sand, Anner Sandman. Um, John, I just want to thank you for taking the time. Um, I mean, you did this interview while you were driving. You did great, actually. Um, and, yeah, just thank you so much for taking the time. I know I know your time is as good as gold right now, um, especially with the season coming up. Um, and an especially long off season and you're you just got so much work to do and like you said at the beginning of this interview so many changes that are evolving um and just want to shout out you for taking the time to come on the pulling tart podcast and shout out to natalie toby for uh for reaching yeah. for reaching out to both of us and and setting this up for sure yeah that was cool how she set it up no, i appreciate it bobby I, I i thank you for for doing this not only for I mean, it's not about me, but really the industry and just so people can learn more about the industry. And maybe, you never know, someone could be listening to this and they want to work in minor league baseball. So Absolutely. kudos to you. We'll get some future MILB workers in there. Yeah, let's hope, man. Let's hope. Well, thank you so much, John. And uh, we'll ride out with Enter Sandman and we'll we'll talk soon. Let's stay in touch, okay? Will do. Thanks, Bob. Yep. Listen to the Pulling Tarp Podcast, distributed by Stoveleg Media. Make sure you check out our page at stoveleg.com to learn more about Bobby and the rest of the show. Stoveleg Media, igniting conversation.